This morning, as we wait to see if the Supreme Court weighs in on Donald Trump's claim of presidential immunity, the court is set to hear a pair of cases that could have a huge impact on what you see and do not see on social media. CNN's Paula Reed is in Washington. These are fascinating and important cases, Paula. Absolutely, John. Uh, these two cases could change the Internet as we know it. The question before the justices today is how much power do these social media companies have to regulate what is posted on their platforms? Because here, Texas and Florida both passed laws that limited the ability that these companies have to restrict speech on their platforms. And of course, this runs right into some big First Amendment questions. Now, the states insist that Social media, it's the new public square, and they want to try to, you know, emulate what's in the Constitution, these First Amendment ideals that speech should not be limited. Of course, the First Amendment is about government limiting speech. It doesn't protect you from businesses limiting your speech, but these states have also insinuated that conservative voices, they believe, are all often suppressed, so they believe they need these laws to make sure those voices are heard. Now, John, anyone who's been on social media lately uh, might take issue uh, with the idea that conservative voices are being suppressed. But this group, Net Choice, they filed a suit to block these laws, saying, look, these social media companies, these are businesses, and you're actually violating their First Amendment by not allowing them to regulate what's on their platform. I mean, we're talking about not being able to moderate things like hate speech or things that encourage eating disorders or false information about the election. So this is a huge issue. And of course, whatever the justices decide will likely have an enormous impact on how folks learn about and what they hear about the 2024 election. Yeah, I, I guess what they're considering is this Facebook, YouTube, X. Are they like newspapers or are they like shopping malls, which is what we could hear in the arguments as they are presented today. Paula Reed, great to see you. Thank you very much. Sarah. All right. Thank you, John. Joining us now, CNN senior legal analyst and former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, our favorite pal, Ellie Honig, in here. Um, listening to that, you know, every human being um, is on the Internet, yes. right? And everyone, a lot of people, social media is a big part of their lives now. They wake up in the morning, they're scrolling. Is this case strictly about free speech when you look at it on its face? Yeah, it is about free speech, and it's about sort of the core of the First Amendment. And the question is, have these social media companies gotten so big and so influential that they need to be subject to the First Amendment? I mean, if we look at the First Amendment, as Paula said, it applies to governments, right? right. The first words are, Congress shall make right. no law. But now the question is, have these private social media companies become essentially town squares to the point where they have almost are, are serving a quasi-governmental function and they need to be subject to the First Amendment as well. Yeah, one of the big arguments is that Congress should be regulating them and, and even some of the companies themselves have said, yes, we should be regulated. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see what the court does here and how it might affect all of us. Uh, I do want to ask you about some reporting that we have now in from our Caitlin Polantz. She is reporting that Trump's lawyers see an opportunity to use his criminal document mishandling case in Florida to create an impasse on his calendar so that the justice in D.C., the judge in D.C. that's overseeing the 2020 um, election case, um, is in a position where she really can't start the trial. So another delay tactic. This Will is this work? This is great reporting by Caitlin Polance. I, I, I devoured the, this piece by her because it's so important. It gets to the whole chess game that's happening now when it comes to these trials and the calendar. So here's where we are. We have the Manhattan DA's case, the hush money right. case, which starts in a few weeks. They start picking a jury at the end of March. That's going to carry through April and probably May. 
Now, you end up with this sort of summer logjam where we currently have the Florida case, the Mar-a-Lago documents right. federal case. That's scheduled for late May. That'll take into June and July. Caitlin's reporting is that they may, Donald Trump's team may want to get that pushback just a little bit, just a month or two, so that it essentially blocks off the summer and into the fall and leaves the D.C. federal case with Judge Chutkin about the 2020 election, leaves that Literally. case Right blocked before. out with nowhere to go. Right. So it's really, there's a lot of moving parts there. When the Supreme Court gives us rulings any minute now on the pending couple of cases, that'll give us a little more clarity. Yeah, there have been questions about why it is taking so long for the Supreme Court to yeah. come out with their decision, but there's always so much going on behind the scenes that we, we can never see, that we don't know. Yeah. I, I do want to ask you if there's any precedent, which I doubt there is, but how close can a case like the subversion case in D.C. be to an election? Yeah, this is a great question, because I think if the election subversion case does get rejected by the Supreme Court, if they say we're not taking it, it goes back down to Judge Chuck, and she's going to be very eager to schedule this trial. And the question is, how close to November can she go? There is no law on this. There is no black letter law. There's no statute saying thou shalt not have a trial within X number of days. There's a longstanding DOJ policy saying you shouldn't take over investigative steps within 60 days of an election, but it's always subject to any number of exceptions. But look, I think everyone understands it's not a great idea for anyone involved to have a criminal trial of one of the two major candidates happening in September, October, right up to an election. It could influence the election. Also, as a prosecutor, I'd be nervous about trying Donald Trump in October because my worry would be, couldn't you have one or two jurors mm -hmm. who say, well, we think he's guilty, but we're not comfortable with slapping someone with a conviction two weeks before the election. So right. it's fraught both ways. It is fraught politically, even though that's not the court's problem. But there are some legal issues here yep. as well. The delay, delay, delay tactics, we'll see if those work. For sure. There are more coming, I'm sure. Ellie <laughs> Honig, right, thank sir. you so much. Thanks.